0: As we gather this morning, I invite you to reflect upon the many reasons why we gather together today to praise God. And as we prepare our hearts and minds for worship, I invite you to hear the words from Psalm 71 that say, O Lord, you alone are my hope. I've trusted you, O Lord, from my childhood. Yes, you have been with me from my birth. From my mother's womb, you have cared for me. No wonder I am always praising you. My life is an example to many because you have been my strength and my protection. That is why I can never stop praising you. I declare your glory all day long. No matter where we come from, no matter what has transpired in our lives, no matter what has happened, God is our strength. And when we recognize God's presence in and through it all, We are compelled to praise Him. I invite you to stand at this time and to join me in our call to worship. You'll find it printed in your worship folder. It'll also be on the screen this morning. Please stand and join me this morning. We await God's instruction for our lives. We look forward to learning about the ways to serve God. The time is coming when our service will be needed here. Let God's love flood through our service to others. Wait, listen, the time is near. In our hearts and spirits, O Lord, to hear your word for us today. I invite you to join together this morning in our community prayer. Lord of amazing grace, prepare our hearts and our spirits this day to receive your Holy Spirit. Help make us ready to be your disciples in all that we do, say, and think. We ask this in the name of your Son, our Savior. Jesus Christ. Amen. Today we're going to start a new teaching series here in St. John's titled Acts to the Ends of the Earth. And throughout this series, we're going to walk through some of the key stories um, in the book of Acts and explore the explosive and spontaneous growth of the early church. And, And this series is based The themes and the key components of this this series is based on a book by Bill Easton called Preaching for Church Transformation. But what we're going to look at is where God is calling us to be as a church in the years to come. Some of the vision of who we can be as God's people in St. John's. And I'm really excited about where this series is going to take us over the next eight weeks. And today we're going to begin our series by... Exploring some of the bases, basics of belief and belief in possibility. Like, what do you believe is possible? What do you believe is actually possible? We're going to take some time to just a moment to look at a little bit of history, but I'm not as concerned about where we've been in the past as a church. I'm more concerned and interested about where we could go as people of faith. And I'm going to invite you to go with me on a journey that might seem crazy to some, might seem impossible to some. To take a small group of people and grow it to hundreds in a short amount of time. And I'm going to ask you a question today about belief. Mirroring the words of God, mirroring the words of Christ, because Christ said to his disciples, he said, anything is possible if you believe. So just so you're forewarned, before the the service is up today, I'm going to ask you this question so you can be thinking about it. Do you believe that anything is possible if you believe? I know that's that's kind of a hard question to start with, but that's why I wanted to give it to you up front. And I'll tell you up front also, I do believe it is possible one of my favorite, more recent Disney movies is Moana. Show of hands, how many of you have seen Moana? Only a couple of you. Oh, well, maybe you just don't want to admit it in front of your friends. It's a wonderful movie about a girl who sets out on a quest to save her people. And to do so, she must recruit one of the once mighty demigod, Maui, who trains her to become a wayfinder. Together they have to come overcome a variety of challenges, and ultimately uh, Moana fulfills her quest and she saves her people. It's Disney. However, none of this could happen if Moana um, didn't take the risk and step out outside of traditional tribal life. Moana's journey begins with the seed of a grander vision, This grander vision of a call to something that's beyond. And that something is the ocean. Beyond in the ocean. There's one primary rule on the island that she's supposed to follow. And that is, don't go beyond the reef. Don't go beyond the reef. Just don't go beyond the reef. You can't go beyond the reef. No one goes beyond the reef. And while everyone else on the island is content... With living on the island, with living the way things are, Moana is called to the sea beyond, and she has for her entire life, and she wrestles with this tension as a young woman. She's wrestling with it, and she's she is expected to succeed her father, who is the tribal leader, but her heart calls her to, to this impossible mission, and she's torn between risking everything on this impossible dream for settling for the status quo and turning inward to the island and living life like everyone else, or living into that impossible dream. Let's take a moment and listen to her struggle. The island life for Moana is a picture of many churches today, churches acting as islands all to themselves, inwardly focused, where traditions dominate and people are content merely surviving with the way things are. And when issues arrive and threaten the health and vitality of the church, the island survival mentality dominates. You know, Tom Rayner. Um, he's a church consultant. Used to work for Lifeway uh, Ministry. Lifeway Ministries now. He's the director of Church Answers. Um, he's he's often quoted first by saying that, um, he says, the majority of churches would rather close their doors than change. And it's true, the majority of churches would rather close their doors than change, but, but that's not us. That is not us at all. Last year, around this time last year, the First United Methodist Church of St. John's and Redeemer United Methodist Church both voted to adopt this worshiping community and create something new and different, the St. John's campus of Redeemer Church. Those of you who were here for that time last year, and the time leading up to that event, and the months that follow, you know and remember the, the fear, the anxiety, the joy, the stress, the anticipation, all of the, the, the gauntlet of emotions that, that came and surrounded that, that experience. Both communities of faith took a, a bit a bold leap of faith into a world of unknowns. No one really knew what was going to happen, but we we all said, "Let's try this thing." And I am I am grateful that we took that leap of faith together to do so because I don't want to be a part of a church. I don't want to serve in a church that, that is content with with merely surviving, and I know that you don't either. And you've demonstrated that over the last 10 months with the way that with the way that you have acted and lived, that, that you are all more like Moana. You're, you're, you're people who, are, who, are, who hold a God-sized dream. People who want to expand, that have great ambition, that have a willingness to take on the challenges that lie before us. You're here. In this new thing, this new campus. And that is the kind of church that I want to be a part of, that excites me, that gets me excited about being here every week. It's one that's not dominated by fear and instead thrives on the inherent risk that come with the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, a church filled with with people that are willing to see, just as Moana says, how far will we go? How far will we go for God's kingdom? I want to take a look just for a moment at a little bit of our history. Not because I dwell in the past, but... But I want to show you the last 22 years of attendance of First UMC and show you what it looked like. I just want to put it up there because I showed this to our launch team uh, two months ago, and a couple of people were surprised just to see it in black and white, um, what it looked like. And the decline of First UMC goes back for five decades. And I just want you to see this because becoming the St. John's Campus of Redeemer Church doesn't change the past, and it doesn't automatically fix everything. Right, there is no magic pill that fixes everything, and you can't just change the name on the sign and and you know do some revamping, administrative structures, and investing in money and into remodeling and adding a new worship service, and 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 that all of a sudden we're going to have have uh, the seats are going to all be full. Like that's you know it's like the Krispy Kreme diet, and I lost I lost fifty pounds. You know it just it doesn't happen. You know we all know that it's that's a pipe dream. But I, I just want you to see it because it it's it's where we were but it's not who we are anymore, right? It's not who we are anymore. And I want you to see where we are right now. So let's add in um, 2019, where we are right now. And so our average worship to date for this year, up until last week, um, was 62. And when I put it into my other calculation, it was 65. Um, And so I I want you to see that we've, we've actually gone up in attendance from 2018. So not only were we not plateauing, we're actually growing as a campus. Which is awesome. Because you know what happens when a pastor transitions in a church? 20% loss, statistically. You know what happens when a church goes through a major transition, like an adoption process? More than 20%. But we're not those people. Because we're people like we right? Right? We're visionaries for a new thing, for a kingdom, and this just—I I, I know it doesn't look that great, but I want you to see that I'm excited because I think this is great. I think this is good, and this is a starting point. This is a launching point to something new and exciting. And I want you to see it, and my hope is is that as you see this graphic, that it that it also lights a fire with you in within you today that burns with a desire also to see. Growth, not just in us, but in the people that haven't come to know Christ. Because who we are is a church that is called to connect people with the love and life of Jesus Christ. That's why we exist, to see God's kingdom grow. And we can get frustrated with the old reality. And that can motivate us. But I am so grateful for these last ten months. And how it's changed who we are as a congregation, because 10 months ago, when we stepped and we embarked on this journey together, we said, we're going to do something different. We know it's going to be difficult, but it's going to be so big that it's only going to work if God steps in. And so I'm going to ask you to join me today, to join me to take our small group of 62, 65, and turn it into hundreds, hundreds of people whose lives and actions will impact this community. And this is something we can do. This is something we can do, and I I know we can do it. And I'll tell you why. I know we can do it because God tells us we can do it. The Apostle Paul says in the New Testament, in the book of Philippians, that we can do everything through Christ who gives us strength. Philippians 4.13. How many people have a coffee mug that says that? Besides me. Here's my question. Do you believe it? Do you believe that you can do everything through Christ who gives you strength? More importantly, do you live your life each day trusting in the truth of that promise? One time Jesus was questioned by some folks about his ability, and in the Gospel of Mark chapter 9, Jesus said, Anything is possible if you believe. Anything is possible if a person believes. If being the key word. Do you, believe any, do you believe that the St. John's campus of Redeemer can grow to 200 people in two years? I do. I believe it's possible. I believe we can grow, outgrow this space within two years. 200 people in two years. That's the challenge I set before you. 200 people in two years. Now people are averting their eyes. They don't want to look at me anymore. Happy Mother's Day! (laughs) Do you believe that Christ will give us the strength to accomplish this? Because Jesus said, anything is possible if a person believes. Do you believe? Anything is possible. Often, here's, here's the reality. Often the only thing that keeps God from achieving his dream in this world, is us. Paul said, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. You know, when we read this verse, we need to ask ourselves two questions. First, do we really believe it? And second, if we do, what do we need to change about ourselves? You know, Paul was the first great missionary for Christ. He had, he had, Called, he was called to what seemed like an impossible mission, to, to preach the gospel to the world, to the, to the, to the Gentiles across the world. But he, he pushed the envelope he, until he found the limits of possibility. And that is what Paul is telling us to do in this passage. You see, he's reminding us that when, when, with God, it is possible for us to do whatever it is that God asks us to do. When God is with us, we can do whatever it is that God wants us to do, if God is in it. Even if it means going to the ends of the earth for him. Over the next two months, these these eight weeks, we're going to spend time answering the question of what we must change in our lives if we believe that this is possible. And throughout these eight weeks, we're going to be focused on the book of Acts as it chronicles the expansion and the birth of the church. Excuse me. Most scholarship recognizes that the book of Acts um, and the book of Luke were written together, two parts. And that Acts is the conclusion of Luke, um, where Luke tells the story of the life of Jesus. Acts tells about the church and how it carries out and carries on the life. Of Jesus in the world, and so we're going to have an anchor text, one text that anchors this whole series together, and it's going to be Acts one eight. So you're going to hear me say this this one verse over and over again, and it's often called the legacy of Christ because everything we know about the post resurrection church comes from this one phrase and this this part of Acts where these words, these last words of Christ. Set the stage for everything that happens in Acts. And this is what Christ says. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here's what I'd like you to do I'd like you to read that with me. If if the person you're with is sleeping, give them an elbow. Wake them up gently so they don't jump. Will you read that verse with me? But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The resurrected Jesus spoke these words to the disciples in Jerusalem where the disciples were waiting, they were were tarrying, they were were waiting for God to fill them with the Holy Spirit, the power of God that would come upon them, the advocate that was promised to them, and that power we call the Holy Spirit. Anytime the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the book of Acts, the author is is trying to communicate one basic, one simple point, one simple thing. When we work to perform something that God wants us to do, When we work to accomplish God's mission, the power in which we use to accomplish it is God, and it's God's Holy Spirit. When we work to perform God's tasks, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that the work is accomplished, which means that the mission can never be considered small or unimportant. So what we do is vitally important. So the disciples were waiting in Jerusalem. Jesus stood among them and said, you're going to be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And it's not only a simple mission. It's also systematic. There's a process in this whole thing that we're going to walk through next week, a very systematic process that that the early disciples used and as the church grew and expanded And we're gonna, I'm gonna refer to it next week and throughout the series as the ever widening circle because Jesus framed it in a very specific way. He said, You are gonna be my witnesses first in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria, and then in the ends of the earth. It's the ever widening circle. There's a systematic approach. And for those of you who are really concerned now because you're, you're considering how we're going to take this whole church to another country to go to the ends of the earth, this does not negate our need to take care of us. Because a little foreshadowing into next week, you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem. The first step, Jerusalem was the heart, the center of the Jewish people. Jerusalem is the image for home the local church. The first place that we witness to is to ourselves. If we can't be who we are first, we can't reach out. But that's what we've been doing for the last 10 months, which is why this series is so important. So let me share with you four principles, guiding principles quickly um, this morning um, to help or to consider as we embark on this journey of transformation together, first thing to remember is that this is all about Jesus. This is all about Jesus. It has never been the goal of any church to be an institution filled with policies, rules, and regulations. I know, sad face. The purpose of the church has always been to bring people into connection with Jesus Christ, our risen Lord and Savior. Having deep personal relationship with him is the purpose of Christianity. Christianity. And when Christ is the head of the church, all the petty stuff disappears. When we live together under the cross, we don't have to sweat the small stuff. The little things don't matter anymore. Jesus said, you will be my witness. The Apostle Paul said in the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. And one of peter's sermons in acts 4 he says there is salvation in no one else god has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved it's all about jesus and we will see this truth expressed throughout the book of acts as we go through it over these next few weeks and most of the stories all center upon how jesus and the holy spirit transforms our lives jesus said we will be you will be my witness And we're going to hit upon what does it mean to be a witness. And our current current understanding of witness works really well. I think it does, personally. Because our understanding of witness, being a law and order guy, dun-dun, works. Because a witness is someone who's seen something, has experienced something and has survived it, and has lived to tell about it. To witness is to give an account of a personal experience, to say, I know this to be true because I saw it. To be a witness is not just about the words, though, and the stories of what we say, it's about how we live our lives. And the truth is, now more than ever in our culture and our society, our actions speak louder than our words. Now I sound like my father. Not always a bad. The way, we, the way we live speaks volumes over the, what we profess to believe, though. It is, that is more true today than ever before. People come to experience and know Christ not merely by what we say. I would say even more so, they experience Christ by how we live and act in the world. People make judgments about our faith and our belief. The unchurched, the dechurched, the younger generation, they make those judgments before they even know our name just by observing us. They're looking for um, what they like to call authenticity. Are you authentic? The second thing is the only way to know the limits of possibility is by pushing through the limits to the impossible. It is is the persistence and willingness to push through the normal to the extraordinary that makes a great Christian. Great Christians never see impassable roadblocks they only see obstacles to overcome or to be removed they, the spiritual giants in our world like the spiritual giants in your life everyone has a pillar that they look up to that person that spiritual giant they understand the importance of resilience and persistence they they know that the power behind them is the same power that's behind the early church and that's the Holy Spirit which which makes anything possible. And here's the fact. that the, the reality is, is that until we believe that, until we believe and learn to rely on the Holy Spirit, we are not really being the church of Jesus Christ. And I know those are hard words to hear, but it's just because something's hard to hear doesn't not make it true. Now I'm really sounding like my father. Ah. But if we believe that the power of the Holy Spirit makes anything possible, and we're willing to push through to the impossible, two things might happen. And I want you to hear these two things because they're very important. One, we might fail. We might fall flat on our face and fail horribly because the journey, what I'm asking you to do, 200 people in two years, um, is impossible without God intervening on behalf of the mission. Second thing that might happen is we might be tempted to give up. To settle for where we are. And this is where we have to push through. The reality is that we we only can be successful if God intervenes on our behalf. Belisim likes to say your vision, your mission have to be so big that it can only be accomplished if God steps in to do it. And that is how you know it's a God-sized dream. That's how you know it's a God-filled mission. We have to pray for that mission every day. And I'm asking you to join me on a journey and to push through those limits of possibility to discover what is possible in the impossible for us here. To see what does God truly have in store for us. How far can we go? Number three is the impossible that God... It is in the impossible that God profoundly confronts us. We know that God is found in ordinary life events. We see God all the time. But when we experience God most profoundly is when we enter into the realm of the impossible. It's when we strip away everything else. We totally strip away our ability to perform and our our dependence on God. That dependence becomes clear. One reason that the average person never really fully experiences God is because they never fully venture out in faith. If we never put ourselves in the path of the impossible, we will never put ourselves in the place where God is most likely to be. This is like the get in this is like the get out of the boat moment. That walk on the water moment that that we find in the gospel of Matthew where where the disciples are in the boat with the, the storm is going on and they look out and, and they see Jesus walking on the water and Peter says, hey, can I get out too? And, and Jesus is like, yeah, sure, come on out. And Peter steps out, out of the water and, and he takes a, a giant leap of faith and he walks on the water until he realizes what's going on. But when he's focused on Jesus, he has this moment and he can realize the awesome power of God when he steps out into the impossible if we want to continue to experience the awesome power of God in this place, it's going to take some major leaps of faith and it's going to take some getting out of the boat moments uh, uh, into the realm of the impossible and, and because we'll never see the fulfillment of God's dream in this place until we step out into the impossible. And the fourth thing, the fourth thing I want you to hear this morning is that great Christians are never content with anything at least not until the kingdom comes on earth. We must develop a dissatisfaction with the status quo. Bill Hybels um, wrote a book called Holy Discontent, um, and uh, he talks about that, that dissatisfaction where there's always room to improve in life. On every front. We can be happy in life, but not content with the way things are. You can be discontent and happy at the same time. Just turn on the news. You'll see things that you're not happy with the way things are, but then you'll see something that you're happy with. Peter Drucker once wrote, the best way to predict the future is to create it. And that is precisely what we're going to do. We can create the future that God has in store for us. So here's the question. That I told you I would ask you? Somewhat. Do we have the courage to push through the limits of our abilities and to live as though anything is possible if God is in it? If our vision isn't big enough to scare us, it's too small. If our mission isn't impossible without God, it isn't God's mission. It's just a goal. God is found most fully in the impossible, and I invite you to join me on what might seem like an impossible mission, and it starts right here in St. John's. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, that mission will take us to the ends of the earth. The only question that remains is, do you believe that anything is possible with God? You pray with me. Holy God, it is in the impossible where we come to experience the fullness of your glory. As we embark on this journey, give us a Holy Spirit-inspired dissatisfaction with the way things are and a passion for seeing your kingdom grow in this community. Send your Holy Spirit into our lives so that we would see your kingdom come and your will be done in this place, Lord, and in this time. It is in the name of Jesus, your Son, and our Savior that we pray and everyone said,